Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Will there be a repeat in L.A.? Will Mike Trout finally make the playoffs? What is going on in the AL West? Uh, Who's going to actually try to do anything there? Uh, We have new minor league rules, foreign substances that are being cracked down on, big-time injuries that are going to shape the courses of some different teams, at least the beginning of their year, and making adjustments already for their playoff contention. Uh, And we also have a fantasy roster to go over. This is the Heater Podcast. I am Dan Lewig. He's Corey Pieper. And we are excited to get to our final section of division previews as we take a look at the AL and NL West. And before we get there, uh, we have some news and notes to, to go over. Again, minor league rules. There's a lot of changes that are taking place uh, in, in various uh, AAA, AA, single A, various rules that are only going to be impacting each one as baseball conducts their uh uh, their lab experiments on the minors to figure out what may or may not be beneficial for the majors. That's ultimately what we're taking a peek at. So why don't we start with AAA? But before we do, uh, the Heater Podcast is bought, brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. We had spring training <laughs> for spring the, training. the popcorn like wagon here uh, this weekend. Friday. Uh, and uh, some kinks that uh, uh, good to, to work out. Some things just yeah. didn't want to cooperate. You know, those uh, got to get into, into regular season shape. Stuff is a... Uh cold here in Wisconsin in the winter, so we got to make sure that it runs properly. So I got in there and blew a fuse right away in the electrical, got that fixed, that got working. The butter was kind of gunked up, even though you know, I cleaned it at the end of the year, but it kind of gunked itself up. I had to pry that apart, and it, it started working right. And the cash register, the U.S. government was going to be really mad at me because for a while I could not keep track of the purchases. I don't know what was going to happen, and they were going to be so mad that I was paying the wrong taxes. But I did get that fixed too, I think. So we're not going to be open this week. Uh, it's Easter weekend. I'm going to spend Easter with my family. And then the following week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back back at it full-time, full go on the weekends. And people were already appreciative of spring training. It was a, it was a busy one-day event. Yeah, it was. It was way busy. It was, we basically opened it up, just like you said, just to make sure everything works. If anybody shows up, great. If not, I have to fix it anyways, right? Beforehand, I don't want to open it up that first weekend and... People came anyways. We put it on Facebook, I think, the day before, so some people saw it that way. We put the signs out, and business, business. If you build it, they will come. If you open, <laughs> they will come. And now we will get ready for a regular season uh, one week after baseball's regular right. season kicks off. Uh, so, again, in the area when you're looking to uh, get your popcorn fixed to go with uh, the, your baseball games, uh, it is now here. So we are excited for everything to kick off. Let's now first dive into the new changes that are coming up in the minor leagues. Let's start with AAA. So currently, bases are 15-inch squares. This year in AAA, they are going to 18-inch squares. I'm fine with this rule. We're going to talk about some rules that are kind of stupid. Uh, this one's fine. It's more of a safety thing. A safety thing? Do you wonder if this will help uh, in some ways increase uh Stolen bases being a more a bigger element to the game. You now have a larger radius to try to get to. 
That's a good point, yeah, because a lot of times it's going to be harder to block a base, right? Like we see people where they tell you to put your knee down in front of the base at least at second to try to prevent them from touching the bag, so more space to guard. And we're going to talk about this when we get down to to low A, uh, but I think there's a couple of rules that are coming that is going to bring this part of the game back. It's kind of died mm-hmm. out a little bit, but I think in the next five years, uh, that's going to be coming back. We talked about this. We spend a lot more time together this week than we usually do, and we talked about this one day we were eating lunch, and it's Rob Manfred really wants to mess with our game, right? He really wants to tweak this game a lot. It's a great game. It's It doesn't need a whole lot of tweaking, but he really just wants to tweak this game. And the, the base thing is, it's not it's not a bad rule. This is one of the better options. So double A, this one's annoying. It's it's annoying. Uh, some people probably like it. I don't. It's So in double A, teams will be required to keep four players on their infield. So each player must have both feet in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. That's for the first half of the season. And the second half, the... Belief is that it's going to be two players on each side of second, which basically is saying no shifting. And some people don't like the shift. I don't care. I don't hit it where they're not right. If it, and if you have learned how to hit it like that, then more they've learned it. This is analytics. They have done the practice. They have done the time to learn where you hit the ball. So they're defensing defensive shifting to prevent you from hitting it there. And we've we've talked about this many times on the podcast of being anti any rules that are going to change. Uh, how you can defensively structure things. Uh, this is all a result of those who have gone hard on hitting, uh, uh, you know, hitting on the power side uh, of, pull, of everything. Pull side. Pull side. And, and, and so then defense says, okay, if that's where you're more likely to go, then we'll, de- we'll take that away or try to take that away by adding an extra defender there. You know how you solve that? going opposite field like there's a very simple thing here but the reason why they're not going opposite field is not because they don't have the ability Uh, it's because they're trying to get the home runs it's the launch angle it's trying to go for that which that's what's killing the game more if you want to say was making the game more quote-unquote boring is you have the three outcome result of that and that's because of what's already going on there so what are you going to do now say that you can't uh, pull the ball it's Uh, like like, i mean at some point what are you going to do it's like if football so we love football. We've done a football podcast. Go back and find them if you want to hear them. We'll do some soon coming up here. But it's like if football suddenly came out and said, we don't want zones anymore, right? Zone defenses are illegal. You have to play man-to-man. Well, why? why? Why is this? Who cares about this? Is Are there players in MLB complaining about this? Are there coaches complaining about it? Because you hear people say, yeah, the shift is hard. Like I heard Bryce Harper a couple of years ago hit, I think it was 230. And he said, yeah, I hit a lot of balls hard and they got hit to someone. But he didn't complain and say they shouldn't do it. Like he knew he was pulling the ball. Let me give this pushback, at least since we bring up different sports. In the NBA, there is illegal defense uh, yeah. where you can't be positioned a certain way. Is right this underneath an, the rim. Is this an, an equivalent? Nope, because <laughs> that is that is basically you can't sit and guard the rim. That would be the, this would be the equivalent of saying, well, what would the equivalent of that be? You can't like purposely throw a pitch. It's... I don't know if there is an equivalent, actually, as I think about it, because defensive three seconds is what you're talking about, which is mm-hmm. basically yep. you can't stand right underneath the rim. And I'm not sure there is a way that you could just say, we're going to, maybe it would be, it'd be like when the catchers couldn't block the plate. Like, that was maybe more the equivalent. And that's also a safety thing, so that's why they got rid of that, and that's fine. If it's a safety thing, do it. I'm all about player safety, right? If you want to, and in football, once again, they got rid of the wedge, right? And in special teams, safety thing. And in baseball, they got rid of the catcher blocking the plate, safety thing. But this isn't a safety thing. This is just a we don't like the way baseball is being played thing. Correct. <laughs> so Correct. I'm not sure there is a good equivalent to that. 
What do we have else coming up in the the lower A's? So in high A, uh, we're going to skip that one. It has to do with box and stuff, and I didn't quite understand the ruling behind that. But in the low A's, there's three different low A leagues. It's going to be the Southeast League. That's going to have the electronic strike zone, which has been tested before in the Atlantic League and the Fall League. This is going to come at some point. I think it's supposed to be next year. I think it kind of got delayed because of COVID. So that's going to happen. I'm, I'm okay with that one, actually. Uh, standardizing things is okay. I, I'm not opposed to that. In the low A West League, they're going to go to an even quicker pitch timer. Right now, the pitch timer is 20 seconds. That's going to be 15 seconds. Uh, he wants the games to go faster, right? Bob Branch has wanted the games to go faster for a while. People supposedly don't like sitting there and watching three-hour games. I don't know. I'm fine with it. If pitchers get thrown off by that, it's annoying. Well, and as long as this doesn't increase uh, pitcher injuries, again, you need to have time in between that type of torque and everything else going on uh, in between pitches. Now, as long as that's fine, uh, that you can bump it up five seconds and it doesn't change anything, then I'm fine with that. Yeah. And across all of low A, they're going to limit the pickoffs, so pitchers will be allowed to step off twice per plate appearance and throw over. We've all seen the games where people throw over 10 times to keep Alberto Mondesi back close to first. and yeah, Also as a way of trying to buy time for the bullpen. And to warm up the bullpen. And it and it gets annoying. I don't know if I like two. I think I'd probably bump it up a couple, maybe like four. But it, it, this isn't as bad as some of it. It's it's an inter- It's a kind of an annoying rule, I think, because, once again, I'm not sure it's needed. But I do know that people get sick of the bullpen or of the throwover pickoff plays. You can argue on the the number and getting to what would be an appropriate number, but for me, this is the one that I actually like and one I've advocated for a while because this increases the chess element to everything there. You have to strategize when you're going to try to do that. Uh, and and also by the time it happens, if you if you don't, if you use your times and, and you don't get them, then that then he has the a runner big lead, right? has he has a, a big huge lead. lead. And I, I love the idea of that. That's going to bring it, again, you need more excitement on the base paths. You don't need more, ho- you really yeah. don't need more home runs. You don't need more of the three outcome. You need to add the other exciting elements to the game in there. I grew up watching Carl Crawford and BJ Upton on the base paths. So much fun watching the stolen base and, and, and going that way. Uh, so I'm actually fine with that. You add the, uh, the, uh, the pickoff limit. With the larger bases, and again, I think the stolen base is going to come back uh, in a more large way. Yeah, I can see that happening. We should also mention that AAA is actually going to start a little later this year. Uh, teams are, it was supposed to start April 6th, and it's going to be pushed back at least a month. Just because we're in this start of COVID, we're going to talk about some teams are starting to get hit a little bit by COVID already and the health and safety protocols where you have to keep people away. So they're going to keep the alternate site open for a while just to keep players around close. And then as maybe more players get vaccinated, more people get vaccinated, they're going to go to do their AAA thing. But for now, at least, I think it's they're shooting for mid-May, I think. And that one works, again, because it allows you to get one off the ground. And remember, the, the major league parks, you're already going to have more space, more room at these type of clubhouses and things. Things get a little more condensed. Uh, and the, the smaller the minor league parks go and the clubhouses, etc. So it's it's not a bad thing to... Just take your time uh, with this, so this way we get the full season in. Are you going to miss the fan, the cardboard fans? <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to bring bring one with them. <laughs> That'd uh, be like a fat head. Yep, there you go. That'd be awesome. I got. I was thinking about that the other day because I remember it was Houston. It was Zach Ranky went and sat in the stands all the time, right? Because you know, you know, he hates. He the, loved. He, lo- he loved so that loved part of it. it. He hates being around people. I was just like, I wonder if he's going to like miss that. He might actually miss that where he has to stay in the dugout. So it'll be interesting. He was someone who actually, segue, uh, 
was asked about the uh, new rules or the new crackdown mm-hmm. uh, about the uh, foreign substances and how they are now going to try to use advanced metrics and advanced data, uh, spin rates, etc., career rates to this point, to when they see irregularities, to think that uh, something else uh, fishy is going Before on. I get it, did you see his answer to it? As only he can yeah. answer. Yeah. As only he can answer. It's like, yeah, I don't really care. I was just, man, you're so good, Zach. You never change. Anyways, yeah, uh, baseball, here's the deal. Pitchers want to get a better grip, so they find anything they can to help them get a better grip. Now, I went back and looked at, I'm positive that I saw somewhere in this offseason that baseball was working on standardizing this too and saying, you can use this one substance to get a better grip. Now, I couldn't find it again, but I remember hearing that. If I'm wrong, Sorry, but I am about 99% sure I heard that. Now, apparently that's not happening. Now they're just saying no foreign substances. You cannot use it to grip the ball. But it's weird how they're doing it because they're going to, and then it was uh, Trevor Bauer's agent who openly stated like, well, that means anyone else is already grandfathered in because if you were using it, your rates were already that way. So this only really targets new players. And Trevor, okay, so new users. let's talk Trevor Bauer here because we talk Trevor Bauer a lot on this. Trevor Bauer's spin rates are off the charts on like four pitches. They are incredible. That's partially why he was so good last year. So you're telling me that Trevor Bauer comes out and his stat cast data jumps another 1,000 RPMs. They're going to suspend the, maybe not most popular, but like most outgoing notable player right now, like pitcher in the game. And Garrett Cole is famous for using, you can see it on his hat, right? You can see it on the Yankees hat. And I just don't, it's not happening, right? You're not suspending Garrett Cole because he's using something to grip the ball. And that still doesn't prove anything. You can suspect it. It might increase your suspicion, but it doesn't prove anything, and you still have to prove it. So I don't even know how. Anytime a ball hits the dirt, anytime a ball hits the dirt now, you can just say, well, that hit the dirt. That's what you're seeing. I don't know how they plant. Are they going to go out and test everything that these guys touch? I We'll see I how this see plays how out. This, we'll see how this plays out. Absolutely. I don't think it's going – they've said that they're going to crack down on stuff like this in the past. Once again, I, pref, I actually don't mind this, the stuff that they use. Why did – these guys are throwing 99 miles an hour. Don't you want them to have more control? Yeah, it does also give them a slight advantage, but batters get to use stuff to grip – they use pine tar to grip the bat, right? Like, yep. can they, yep. do they have to stop using that? I Some of this stuff is just pointless to me, so whatever, Rob. You do you, man. <laughs> well, let's dive into injuries. There are some uh, season enders that came this week. Okay, let's start with Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates signs the offseason deal with the Toronto Blue Jays to be their closer. This week it comes out he has a flexor strain in his right arm. That means that he will have Tommy John surgery, so his one-year deal with the Blue Jays will involve him pitching exactly zero innings. He's going to be out this season. Remember, he got hurt last year with the Padres, and it was bone chips. Well, now it's a forearm thing. It looks like they're going to turn to a combination of Jordan Romano and Rafael Dolis to be their closer. Again, Toronto did not have the pitching depth to spare, and this was one of the dangers about the, some of the guys they chose, and so this is going to be a storyline to definitely watch as the year goes on. Well, we're not even out of Toronto and their free agent signings, and we get another one, and this is the big one, right? So George Springer has been diagnosed with a grade 2 oblique strain. What they keep saying is he's day-to-day. It's incredibly encouraging. He's day-to-day. Uh, it was diagnosed with an MRI. He still is doing his stretches and his exercises. Here's my guess on George Springer. You don't go out and make this worse. You need to get this oblique healed because... Obliques are dangerous for hitters and outfielders. You need to get it healed early on or it's going to bother him all year and you didn't pay for him to go out and not be up to his 100% capabilities. So May 1st. I'll say that I, that's, I am not a doctor. I have no knowledge of that, but I would say... But you did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> right. Bank on four weeks on the... 
to start the season on the injured list, and I'll say three to four weeks. I watched it happen to Austin Meadows last year. Yes, he dealt with COVID, but the oblique was there. It messes with timing. It messes with everything. And if you don't get it fully healed, it will be a lingering issue the entire year. And that's the danger right now with this. So you want a kid gloveless as much as you possibly can. Uh, staying in the AL East, the one that we didn't make in, in our notes that I wanted to jump in there with, because another uh, big-time uh, reliever that's now shelled for at least half the season, Nick Anderson of the Tampa oh, Bay Rays. Yeah, I did forget him. Good uh, call. There was the uh, uh, partial tear. That's there. You can think maybe Mashiro Tanaka is kind of a, a similar type of thing. They do not recommend surgery at this time. Uh, it's about a half a year. Uh, like rest is what they're looking at for that, and then optimistic for the second half of the year. I'm not that optimistic with it. Uh, this is something that's been lingering since the the playoffs last year when he uh, had the uh, late to disclose the injury. He didn't tell the team, uh, and. Now you're still having elbow issues here, so you already had time off and it didn't do anything. I don't see what another two months is going to do. I think he's gotten bad medical advice, and instead of losing one year, if you would have had the surgery at the end of last year, you're now going to lose two seasons as a result. If you remember, he was bad in the playoffs, and I was just checking. He was not very good so far. I mean, it's three innings, right? If you but have him on your fantasy team, bolt. <laughs> it was not good. In, he's not been good in spring training. Yeah, that's – they obviously have – what was it, 12 guys had to save in 60 games. They all piecemeal it together and get, I would expect, uh, Fairbanks or Castillo to lead the way in saves, and then they'll piecemeal Chaz Rowe and, I don't know. Yep, those two Shane will be the, the, the main uh, ninth-inning options when, when things come up, but they, yeah, they rotate through no matter what. If any team could withstand a major, uh, uh, like, ninth-inning player uh, and, and still get by, it's what the Rays do with the bullpen. Let's keep it in the AL East bullpens. Let's go to the Red Sox. And I just mentioned some teams are starting to get COVID. So Matt Barnes has tested positive for COVID-19. He was the presumed closer for the Red Sox. I'd already mentioned that I think Adovino at some point would step in and take a lot of those saves. So Adovino is going to get the chance because Alex Cora had to say he's not going to be – Matt Barnes won't be on the opening day roster just because of the protocol. He's going to be away for a while to do contact tracing. So Adovino is going to start with that role and – if he starts well, I don't know why you get rid of him. Like, right? Like, so if Adovino starts off hot, maybe Matt Barnes comes back and he doesn't pitch the ninth inning. But I've all thought all along it's going to be kind of more of a timeshare than Matt Barnes being a primary closer, anyways. This is going to give Adovino a chance to uh, reclaim the, his former closer abilities before he went to New York to be a, a very highly paid setup man. Uh, so he's going to get that chance to try to rebound, uh, which is good for him when you're wanting to look at free agency in a year. Oh, New York. Let's do their injury of the week because, hey, guess what? The team that has all injuries already has an injury. Luke Voigt is an extremely – he had a great year last year, right? I don't want to sit here and say he didn't. But very Luke Voigt year. has a very long career of being injured. His was mostly with the Cardinals. He went under, underwent surgery this past week to, retor, repair a por, to repair a partially torn meniscus in his left knee. So should all things go well, May you could probably expect to see him. It sounds like about four weeks. In his stead, they are keeping Jay Bruce and Mike Talkman will be on the opening day roster. So one of those guys will fill in at first. It's obviously they a big are blow. No Luke Voigt. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously a big blow, right? This is already one of their big, I don't know, they have five big sluggers or whatever on the team, but this is a big blow, right? You can't understate the fact that Luke Voigt had the major league leading 22 home runs last year, and now he's out. Well, and reporters have already said Corey Kluber still doesn't look fully there yet. Really? Uh, and... Uh, this is a team that is going to rely on its offense to carry more than the defense. Garrett Cole has, as, as you'd expect, but even especially this spring, pitched out of his mind 
he is every bit as good as his contract says. He looks already that way to start the year. Uh, we'll talk next. Uh, we'll talk next week on on full predictions uh, as we kick off the the Major League Baseball uh, season. We'll give our full predictions for uh, teams who our World Series picks are and our uh, MVPs and Cy Youngs. But I'll already give you this one starting out. Garrett Cole is my Cy Young. I had it picked for two years for what I expected with him. He pitched elite with Astros first year with the Yankees in that environment. I said he was going to be good, not great. The hype was going to be too much. And that's exactly what it was. He was very good, but not great last year. A little bit of home home run issues and a very, uh, you know, your short uh, series uh, for everything. Just not a lot of innings and data for that. This year, Cy Young. I, I fully expect him to be every bit as good as you'd expect him to be. So they'll, they'll be okay without Luke Voigt going back. They'll be fine without Luke Voigt, but it's not what you want to see early on in the season. We do have one more injury out of the AL East. We have one more out of the AL East, and that is Harrison Bader. So Cardinals manager Mike Schilt announced on Wednesday he'll be out at least four weeks with a forearm injury. I think it's the same thing. I think it's the flexor strain, but unlike Kirby Yates, who needs it to pitch, uh, Harrison Bader is playing the outfield. So they're going to give him some platelet-rich plasma in there, hoping that it'll kick speed up that healing process. But he's going to miss the first month. He was going to be an outfield, so now it's – all but guaranteed that Dylan Carlson will start in that outfield. And, and uh, the biggest injury of the week, Eloy Jimenez. Oh, yeah, I missed one. Man, I keep skipping these guys. Well, yeah, you, you had him here. Oh, did I? Uh, Good. So I'm- Eloy Jimenez. So let's talk Eloy Jimenez because he is now out five to six months. Not weeks, months. I don't know how many people watched the play. I was watching this game when, I guess, 20 minutes after it happened. So he jumps up in left field where he is terrible. Uh, a bad left fielder, straight up bad left fielder. Luis Robert covers a lot of space in center. He jumps up to try to rob a home run ball that flies a good eight feet over the wall. He had legitimately a no percent chance of catching the ball. And then he does a Vince Carter where instead of hanging on the rim, he hangs over the left field wall and he grabs his shoulder, left shoulder area right after he gets done. And they said, you know, right away, he has a shoulder injury. And then it was just speculating what's wrong with him. Comes out that it is a ruptured pectoral muscle. That is five to six weeks, and that is the biggest blow of the week. Right? We can talk Luke Voigt missing a month. We can talk you know, Kirby Yates missing the whole season, right? But Kirby Yates is a closer, so maybe you get 60 games out of him. Eloy Jimenez was poised to bat lead off, or clean up, basically, on what we expect to be one of the best lineups in baseball. Definitely a, a big blow to a team that has uh, aspiring uh, plans for uh, on the rise to compete against the Twins and uh, to take over that division. Uh, this was a huge loss uh, for a, for that team. So now they have a huge gap in left field. So we got to talk for a second here because they're they've played Andrew Vaughn out there now, which he had not done since high school. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is an excellent hitter. I've talked a lot about Andrew Vaughn. He's not you're the most about, athletic individual. No, he's not. So I don't know if they're going to actually do that. I don't know if they're going to. Yasiel Puig is not signed. Right, Lasiel Puig is unsigned. That would make a lot. Of, they love their Cuban players there. Yeah. So that one makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know. It's it's not good for the White Sox. We'll see. Well, let's take a, a peek at, there's one more uh, uh, contract. When you think of young players in spring, this is where you uh, get some of those contract extensions. And this is a feel-good story uh, that's coming here with the Minnesota Twins. So the Minnesota Twins today actually signed Randy Dobnak, a pitcher that they've had, to an extension Dobnak was really good last year, so they decided to hook him up with a five-year, $9.25 million contract extension, but it's got options and some incentives that can crank that $9 million up to $29 million. 
And when Dan says that it's a feel-good story, this is a guy who at one time was driving Ubers to help pay for it so he could keep playing an indie ball just to keep his career going. He's now 26 years old. He's bounced around. He's been with the Twins for a few years now. And last year, obviously, small sample size caveat that always applies, applies, but pitched to a 405 ERA. He doesn't strike hardly anybody out. Five strikeouts per nine innings is among the lowest you're going to see in all of baseball. But it is the classic limiting hard contact. He gets a lot of ground balls, and he gives up no home runs. He has never given up by home more than .8 home runs per nine innings at any level going back to minor leagues, even last year, .5. So limiting the home run ball, inducing hard or soft contact, it's how he's successful, and the Twins are willing to pay him for it. Congrats on the long-term security. Uh, as we prepare for the uh, the season, there's obviously we're in full-fledged uh, fantasy uh, time of year and, and drafting and uh, all that extra fun with uh, with baseball. And you had the opportunity to be uh, selected to be part of a special group. Can you tell us first what that group is, how it came about, how would you describe everything to our average uh, listener here? Okay, so it is called the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, TGFBI. I think there are 29 15-person leagues, so what is that, 400-some players in it that you have to be invited to get into. You have to be a, do a baseball podcast or a, do some type of an industry thing, so like we're doing here. So I signed up. I put my name in the pool. Uh, I think there's 1,000 applicants or something, and I got invited to be in it. So I am in league. I think I'm either in 15, 16, or 17. I'm somewhere in the middle with 14 other industry people, Ball spores in there from Sleeper in the Bust, some of those types of names that you probably more recognize. And I got my choice. You get to pick where you want to pick. I chose five. I actually got pick five. So this is what's called a rotisserie league, which means there are 10 categories, and you want to try and get as many of each of them as you can. So for the hitters, it's runs, home runs, RBIs, stolen bases, and average. Your team's averages all combined together, and you want to have as high of a score as possible in each one. And then for the pitchers, it's Wins, saves, Ks, ERA, and whip. So with my fifth pick, I had a plan. I wanted pick five because I saw five really good players. Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis, Acuna, Soto, and Trout. Right, And I figured if I pick five, I'll get the best whatever's left. And then I'll get the quickest pick on the second round. So when there's 15 teams, it gets really thin in a hurry. By the time we get to the end, you'll see my team. So I'll go 10 picks at a time here. I started with Mookie Mike Trout at pick five. Great. Second round, you really need pitching. So I started took Brandon Woodruff. Third round, I took Corey Seager, who when you're talking about next week's predictions, you'll hear mine. MVP. He's going to be my MVP pick. I took Hyunjin Ryu in the fourth round. Chapman in the fifth round. Max Muncy in the sixth round. Paul Goldschmidt in the seventh round. Julio Urias in the eighth round. Joe Musgrove in the ninth round. And Victor Robles in the tenth round. I needed some steals. Comments? Yeah, what I like is... Uh you have a a blend of uh, sneaky power uh, within that. Obviously, Goldschmidt's there. Muncy uh, has some of that. Trout is going to give you the again every category there, which is which is. I didn't want to kill my average early. That's why you can get in trouble with these things. Like you can take, you know, I could take Luis Robert, and I said he could hit two eighty this year. He could hit two twenty two, and I didn't want to murder my average early because there's it gets rough at the end. You can find power late. Kyle Schwarber is going to hit thirty home runs. I think that pretty easily. So I wanted to keep my average high. So. Trout is about as safe of a bet to hit at least 280 as anybody in baseball. Corey Seager is a safe bet to hit 280. Now, Max Muncy is not, but 
great lineup. But, but 260 is probably like the, the floor, yeah. so he's not too far off. You're not no. talking 240 hitters. No, and so I think and he can hit three. First off, he plays three positions. You need to fill first, second, third, short, corner, middle. So there's actually you can fill him in a whole bunch of positions and 30 home runs in the greatest, best offense in baseball. Paul Goldschmidt, and then I said, you need steals. I didn't, basically those four, maybe Trout steals 10 bases, but the rest of them aren't stealing anything. And Victor. Victor I yep. love Victor Robles, right? I think he's going to be at leadoff. 30 steals is within the realm of possibilities there. Uh, Pitching-wise, Woodruff, Ryu, Urias, and Musgrove. You went more, uh, I'd say, with, with upside or, or ceiling uh, for these. Not as much... Uh, not as much established, if, if you would say that, but took, guys that are more than likely to reach a good portion of their ceiling. I wanted the guys that I thought could get innings, right? I was going to yeah. take Walker Bueller over Brandon Woodruff, but 140 innings? Like, I wanted somebody who they I thought could get... They watch their innings in, in yep. L.A. They really do. I think Woodruff and Ryu are lock, locks for innings early on, and yeah, Musgrove and Urias, maybe not so much, but... By that time, I wasn't going to take the Nelson Lamette. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. His arm terrifies me. I said I don't trust Patrick Corbin. I almost got Charlie Morton, but Urias was there, so I took him. You also actually need to start two catchers. So in the 11th round, I took my first catcher because you want one catcher who you can at least rely on. I took Christian Vasquez. 12th round, I took Josh Donaldson. 13th round, Nick Senzel. 14th round, I got Amir Garrett to be my second closer. Have you seen his spring training? He's up to, I believe, 12 batters faced, 10 strikeouts, no hits. There you go. Uh, 15th round, I took Gavin Lux. 16th round, Nate Avaldi. 17th round, Carlos Santana. 18th round, Manny Margot. 19th round, Mr. Spring Training MVP himself now. This was before that. Jock Peterson. And in the 20th round, I got Danny Jansen as my second closer. So I needed more speed, right? So Nick Senzel, 15 steals as possible, right? Gavin Lux, I think 15 steals as possible. Manny Margot, 25 steals as possible if they play him every day. And then I said, Power late. Jack He's Peterson. had a really good spring, by the way. A very yeah. good spring. 20, like, power late. Carlos Santana, I've talked about it. 25 home runs is... On base percentage is going to well be Well nice. within the possibilities there. Jack Peterson, 30 home runs is well within the possibility there. So I didn't want to crap my average out early because, yeah, some of those guys aren't going to hit great, but I thought it was good enough. You need to start five outfielders. So my outfield is... I didn't take one until I got Victor Robles, but Victor Robles, Nick Senzel, Manny Margot, Jack Peterson. We'll talk about my fifth one here in a second. I, I liked it. And then the last 10 picks, you had to take some upside. So Taiwan Walker is my next pitcher. Adam Eaton is my fifth outfielder. Going to think he's going to bet second now in the White Sox lineup. Even more uh, at-bats now with Eli mm-hmm. Jimenez. Garrett Richards is my next pitcher. I took Nico Horner. He was having a great spring. The Cubs did him, didn't do him wrong because they can do it, but they sent him down to the minors. I think I'm going to keep him because he's been really good. I got Christian Pache, Debbie Garcia, Adrian Hauser, Reyes Maranta, Luis Severino, and Michael Franco. Looking for injury bounce back for uh, for some uh, good mm-hmm. upside for a second half of season. We'll see. I'll keep you updated every week. But yeah. I, I really do like my team. I really do like my team. I feel like I'm competitive in every every category to start with. You don't want to go into this like there's some you, there's different types of baseball leagues you can do somewhere you can punt like saves, right? If you do a head-to-head league, you don't have to win every category. And something like this where you're competing against everybody, I didn't want to go in and say, I'm not going to have any saves or hardly any speed. I wanted to be solid across the board. I feel like I did that. Danny Jansen is with? Toronto. is my second closer, or my second catcher. Uh, okay. You need uh, two catchers. And It's uh, hard. Two catchers is hard. The So who are your closers? I we heard the... Raldis Chapman. Yep, so you went big time for the, the I beginning. I got one. I, so there's only like 
five rock solid closers, right? You got Hader, Hendricks, Chapman, Diaz. Maybe that's it. Like Karinchak is should be good, but they've already sort of said they're starting to hedge and they might give some to Whitgren. Yates got hurt. You could go with Raizel Iglesias, but I wanted one solid closer, so I got Chapman. I got Amir Garrett, who I think is going to close in Cincinnati. Yep. And then yep. at the end, I took a shot on Reyes Maranta for San Francisco. He missed all of last season from with injury, but he's coming back in spring. And if nothing else, I can take a chance. That I said, closers turn over all the time. We've already seen Kirby Yates get hurt. We've already seen some of these things happen. We're talking about Texas today. Jose LeClerc is hurt. So closers turn over a lot. I'm not – I will pay up for one good, one middle, and then I will take a shot at the end on a third. Is there any team so far that's in your 15 that you feel is your greatest uh, threat? Someone who drafted Ooh, really well. That's a good question. Hmm. Hmm. I really, there were certain players, like, in round four, in round three, when I took Corey Seager, it was between Corey Seager, Anthony Rendon, or Alex Bregman. I think they're all unbelievably good talents. I think they're all possibly going to be first-round picks next year. And the, I watched that, Anthony Rendon get picked in the middle of the third round, and I thought, yeah, okay. So I started to plan for my fourth-round pick, and Alex Bregman kept going and kept going and kept going. And it was one pick before me, and he got picked. So... That one hurt because it also then happened later on with Jose Altuve. I almost got him too, but so the guy who picked six, his last name is Meyer. I'm not sure who his first name was, but he, he made a few choices where I was right next to him and I was ready to make my choice and it didn't happen, but that's okay. It happens. I, I said, I like my team. I think I got some balance in there. We'll follow that as the season goes on as well. Uh, next up, we'll be getting into our final round of division previews. We'll take a look at the AL West and NL West in just a moment. Egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk! I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Are you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games? Don't you see? People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! As we turn our attention to the AL West, we first take a look at the defending uh, champs uh, in that division, the Oakland Athletics. Uh, this was a team that saw more loss than gain in the offseason, uh, but targeted uh, some specific guys they really wanted. They uh, picked up Trevor Rosenthal to be their ninth-inning guy. Uh, spent uh, big bucks on him uh, as well. That one is a little bit surprising on the numbers there. They needed a closer, right? They yep, yep. So they paid up for it was only a one year deal though, right? One year ten, old, mil. 10 million. Yeah. So which not is, terrible. Not a multi year deal. That's it's true. not a multi year deal. That that's the good part about this is it's not the multi year deal, but this is a kind of a weird right lineup. Like it's it, the two oldest rosters in baseball both reside in the Bay Area. That's what I'll say that. So first off, you have this projected opening day roster with one player on this entire roster under the age of 25, according to Fangrass, from what they're projecting. And that's Jesus Lazardo, who I think is great. But when you're asking big contributions out of 35-year-old Mitch Moreland, soon-to-be 37-year-old Jed Lowry is projected to be the starting day starting second baseman. I don't believe he's played more than like a half handful of games in two years. Either going to be him or Tony Kemp. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tony Kemp. 35-year-old Mike Fires, 34-year-old Jake Diekman, 38-year-old Sergio Romo, and 36-year-old Yusmiro Petit. Those guys are all expected to play big parts of this team. And yeah, I'm getting older, so 35 doesn't seem what it used to be because I'm now 30. So it doesn't seem what it used to be, but... Some of those guys, like Sergio Romo is not going to be what he's been forever, right? He's been great. I don't want to sit here and say he's not good, but we can't all be Nelson Cruz. And Sergio Romo, Yusmiro Petit, Jake Dietman, those are all going to expect it to be big-time parts of this bullpen. Their offense is, the as it has been on in many ways in which that's been built, the three-outcome offense. You have that with high on-base percentage, low batting average, good power. Uh, so that's definitely there. Um, you have uh, the trade in the offseason, Elvis Andrews for Chris Davis, so you no longer have the uh, the chance for Mr. Consistency there. Uh, but Elvis Andrews was needed to shore up uh, the, the shortstop position. Yeah, Simeon left, right? Marcus Simeon left, so they needed a shortstop, so they actually made the rare interdivision trade with Texas, and Texas didn't really want to. They're in the middle of the rebuild. We're going to get to them. They're in the middle of a rebuild, and they're not going to want to pay Elvis Andrews. He is signed that eight-year, $120 million deal a long time ago. I think he's under contract through next year yet, and then he has the vesting option. So Oakland was willing to pay him. He's going to, like you said, he's going to fill in his shortstop. You expect him to play every day. He had a rough year last year. It's a shortened season. I think that Elvis Andrews is just going to bounce back to what he's always been, but that's still a downgrade from what Marcus Simeon was. Uh, not that Elvis Andrews is a good player, but Marcus Simeon at least I think is a better player, not – not to the point where I want to say, like, Elvis Andrews is bad at baseball, but it, that's an interesting move. But like I said, Jed Lowry is going to play second. That's a downgrade from where they were. For Wiley had Profar there last year, so I don't know what you can trust, trust out of Jed Lowry. Mark Canna, batting leadoff. We kind of like Mark Canna. I, I, uh, sneaky good player. Uh, I, I've liked his, uh, his bat. Again, overall, one of the better contact bats that they have. He does hit for a decent average, but the on-base percentage and power is there. Here's my question with this team. Does this team have an ace? Does it have an ace? Is Chris Bassett an ace? No. Is Jesus Cesaro? I think he can be. Could yeah, he, he can be. He's the one who could Injuries be, right? Injuries and other things... Seem to keep him from reaching that ceiling. He's the one. He's the one who could be, but Chris Bassett's not. He had a great year last year. I don't want to sit here and say he didn't. But Sean is not an ace, right? We're not saying Sean is an ace. Frankie Montas, bad year last year. Good to two years ago. He his thing is throw the splitter. Like his thing yeah. is all about the splitter, and he just sometimes he refuses refuses to throw to Pittsburgh. it. They'll love <laughs> right? him. They'll love him. He he also hurt his fingernail the other day. He like split a fingernail or something. I saw. Yeah. So that's not a good sign for him throwing that splitter more. And then it's. A.J. Puck, Mike Fires, like, A.J. Puck is a big prospect. We'll talk about him. Dalton Jeffries has been great. So some of their spring training guys, Dalton Jeffries has been incredible in spring training, and he's a prospect, but he's not an ace. Does this team have an ace? What this team has is a good collective, but not an, uh, a top at, at the top uh, individual. And I, that, I like them as a, col- as a collective, and especially in, in the weird year, I like a veteran bullpen, but it's... It seems like this entire team is held together by duct tape and, and some stickum. I literally have the t- sentence typed. I think that this is the hardest team to project. I because they seem to find a way to win games, but could it go south in a hurry on this team? Yeah, I think it could. I'm not going to say that it's going to, but there is a chance that this team is done fairly soon, where their window is closing. 
you're not the only one that had a hard time with with projections here. The different systems were across the board with really? this. Good. You have uh, CBS Sportsline, their uh, projection mm-hmm. system. Uh, their Sportsline has them at 96 and no 66. Way. No way. Everyone else has them at about 83 wins, okay. 83 <laughs> and 79. 96 wins? Wow. They they still uh, be- believe, I'm assuming, in their pitching and defense. I Okay, so let's talk. If we're talking defense for a second. This is a great defensive team. Like Matt Chapman is all world third baseman. If he ever hits 270, he could win an MVP award fairly easily. That's that level of play at third base. But we just went over the starting pitching. And I love Jesus Azardo. I think he could be an ace someday. But otherwise, it's always felt like a team that's built to win regular season games. And they do that, right? They're really good yep. at that. But yep. then you get into a postseason matchup, and let's say they don't have the star power. Nope. They're not, there's no Garrett Cole on this team. There is no Tyler Glass now on this team, even. So if you're going to compete, there's no Hyunjin Ryu. If you're going to compete with those type of teams, they just don't do it. And I, I don't know what the fix is because it's not, they don't seem willing to ever go out and spend that money. And that's been their MO for so long. And since they've had Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, and Mark Mulder, I'm not sure they've really had an ace since then. They made that move. What was it 2012 or something for when they made that big move to get John Lester to try to push through and then they lost the wild card and it's always been like a good team but never a great team. What about for for prospects as we look at the farm? Uh, best prospect overall and then best that can help them this year. So the best prospect is AJ Puck. AJ Puck is a six seven six eight really tall left handed pitcher. They drafted him sixth overall five years ago, four years or 2016. He could very well – he should be up this year. We have not seen him much. He's also had injury issues, so he has pitched a combined, I think, like 70 innings the last three years, so you're not going to get a lot. But when he has pitched, he's always struck out a lot of batters. I would expect that he gets 100-ish innings this year if he stays healthy with the athletics, and that probably makes him the most likely to help this year. I mentioned Dalton Jeffries. He's been – spring training stats so far, 13 innings, two earned runs – 20 strikeouts to three walks. He's also Not a good bad. prospect. Yeah, bad. yeah, he's also a good prospect. I think he's actually going to start the year as the fifth starter because Fires is hurt. Puck will come up later. They're, they're good prospects. It's always good to have pitching prospects, but like I said, they're, they're not aces. Like Puck might be an ace someday. Dalton Jeffries is more of a 2-3 starter if he's lucky, so it's just going to be another year of being good, but this is not going to be a team I predict to win the World Series. Speaking of the team that came close to that point, uh, as the Houston Astros caught fire at the end of last year and came within a game of making it back to the World Series, uh, what do you think of their offseason and chances to, over a full 162-game season now, uh, what is this team? Okay, this is a very good team still, but it's lacking in depth, and it's not necessarily because of anything they've done. So, they lost George Springer, right? That's Any team that loses George Springer, that hurts. But then, listen to the injuries this team's already accumulated. So Justin Verlander is out for this season. Forrest Whitley is out for this season. Last time we talked about Framber Valdez, he broke his finger, and it was looking like he was out for the year. Now they say it's healing better, so they think they maybe will get him back in the midseason. So that's good. Josh James was a big pitching prospect for them, is out with a hip. They signed Pedro Baez. He has COVID, so... It's a good team that has extremely small margins for error here because there is almost no depth left with all those injuries. Whereas if you throw Justin Verlander and Forrest Whitley and Fran Reveldez as options, now it's looking real good. So, I suppose one extension we didn't talk about in news and notes would have been Lance McCullers, who signed a five-year, $85 million contract. 
I have him on here, but I put him on here. Yeah, so Lance McCullers just coined that deal. And McCullers, when he pitches, he's very good. When he pitches, he is very good. But the problem is he doesn't pitch enough. He has never made more than 22 starts in a season or thrown more than 157 innings in a year between the majors and the minors. Now, it seems like he's much older. He's still just 27. So there's there's definitely a reason they gave him this contract. Now they just got to hope that they can keep him healthy for a full year. They quickly struck a deal with Jake Odorizzi when some of these injuries started happening, uh, which I like that as a uh, having that arm still out there allowed them to plug in a solid veteran into this uh, rotation. Then you have Granky, McCullers, or Quiddy, Odorizzi, and Javier. What do you think of that rotation overall? I think it's probably the best rotation that we're going to talk about still in the AL West. Granky's uh, good, right? You know what you're going to get out of Zach Granky. He's going to be fine for you. McCullers is good. I like Christian Javier. I like your Jose or Kitty. Jake Odorizzi is a good fifth starter. We're not going to talk about many fifth starters that are better than Jake Odorizzi. We said, I don't remember what you were talking about last week, maybe the Braves. And we said, you know, if your fifth starter is your biggest problem, it's not that big of a problem. Well, Jake Odorizzi solid. All these guys are solid. The one that maybe worries me the most is Christian Javier. You'd like that to be Fran Valdez, but overall, it's it's still a good enough rotation. And their offenses are awesome, right? They're still you take away still George good. Springer, despite, despite the loss of Springer, and you have to factor in the addition now of Jordan Alvarez coming back healthy. Yeah, you take away Springer, but you plug in Jordan Alvarez to play DH for him. It's still a great offense. Kyle Tucker is going to take a big leap forward this year. I think he's going to be awesome. I expect we're going to talk about bounce backs in a little bit. There's a couple of guys on this team that are going to bounce back. They were dealing with all the hate from the garbage banging scandal or whatever. And look, Alex Bregman's still a good player. I don't care that he supposedly had the signs given to him. I have no doubt that Alex Bregman's a good player. I still don't think Jose Altuve is done at the age of 30 because he had a bad stretch. Remember, he was amazing in the playoffs, except he Just forgot the how to Just throw the, the ball to second. So as long has there been any issue with that in spring? I don't think there's no, been. I'd have to check. I'll Which is that good. That, that's what you want to hear uh, with him. So this way it's not a lingering issue. If he's coming back fine here, then the playoffs are in the rearview mirror and you're good to go. He doesn't look like he's had an error yet in spring training in 755 at-bats. So what is that, about 10 games maybe? Maybe more. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, also, again, the sports line is way high uh, on this, you know, the way it was with Oakland, 95 and 67. Uh, Fangraphs has him at 88 and 74. The 88 numbers are close. Like I yeah, will not – the 95 is too high. 88 and 74. That offense is good enough to me. Yeah. I, that's a – I don't know I'll, if I take I'll, the over. Like, that's about I, the number I will I take the over within, like, a game or two. Yeah. I think they're more likely to get 89-90 than they are 87-86. Yeah, I'll take the over, but not by not by much. Like, a 90-win team seems about what you're going to get out of Houston. And if Framber Valdez gets back early, that would really help them. This is a very uh, veteran-based team, but who do you have for their best prospect or uh, prospect who can help this year? Yeah, it's a very good team, and it's probably Brian Abreu. He's a pitcher, a relief pitcher, who's got some command issues. That's probably their best prospect. The one that's going to help this year is probably Brandon Bielek. He came up last year, had a little bit of a stretch in the rotation last year. He could start if Odorizzi, or he's probably more of a long relief type of guy, but if Christian Javier struggles or Jake Odorizzi needs some time because he's getting a little up there in the age. He might get some spot starts for them. But like you said, it's a very veteran-laden team. It's a very good team. They're not going to use a whole lot of their prospects this year, I don't think. The Seattle Mariners uh, had a nice start to the 
condensed season last year. Kyle Lewis went out of his mind for the first uh, 30 games of the year. AL Rookie of the Year. Kyle Lewis and, uh, and and was able to sustain uh, well enough. You, no one's going to maintain the clip that he was on at that point. Uh, but this is a team that is slowly building. It's more about the kids that are coming than who's there yet. They have two of the top what, ten best prospects who are also the best outfielders in minor league baseball. So I know I'm kind of stealing some thunder for what we're going to talk about. Good. Uh, but th- it's all about building to that point. Justice Sheffield looked good. Uh, last year, he's another one of those components. Mitch Hanniger uh, coming back this year, right? I haven't seen any any mm-hmm. notes on him for spring training yet. Uh, this is a team that is one year away. Yep. Uh, My it, exact line is, yeah. this team could come fast, a la the San Diego Padres, but it's more likely a season or two away yet. So, Yes, this team has probably one of the best three minor league systems in baseball, and the top-end talent in this one is exceptionally high. We're, we'll talk about some of those guys in a little bit. We obviously know they've had a little bit of turmoil recently, firing, was it the GM, or I don't remember what his title was, but because of the Jared Kelnick thing, the question is, when does Kelnick come up? Because I think we'll see him by May 1st-ish. I don't think it's going to be too long, and he'll be up playing – probably left field for him. Taylor Trammell is actually another prospect who's projected to be their left fielder. But like you said, Hanniger's back. It was some poor, painful things that he had to deal with that I don't really want to talk about. Kyle Lewis has been sort of nicked up the last few days, but he's expected to be okay, I think. And yeah, it's it's a very good team that should only get better in the next couple of years. The question I have is the pitching, once again, this is a team that's already said they're going to do a six-man rotation. They've already said they're going to do that, which... Probably a good idea. They brought back James Paxton, who can always use all the extra rest he can get. Although he's welcome back, James Paxton. Really good in spring training. I watched him against the Brewers, and he think he struck out ten in five innings, and and the velocity was there, like ninety six again. That's always the key with him, and he's getting to the point that I'm going to start treating him like Rich Hill, because mm-hmm. uh, as someone went healthy, he, uh, can be very elite, and the numbers are still good. The the, uh, the miles per hour, everything is there, but things tend to go off the cliff very quickly. Uh, but as long as he's healthy, he's a great addition to this team. Uh, when you look at some of the beat reporters for the Mariners, they're still kind of whispering the P word. Uh, if, if everything breaks right, it seems like it's a season too soon. Uh, but it depends how quickly everyone develops, how they come across. Uh, if Mitch Hanniger is anything, if he's 90% of what he was, uh, that's a big addition. Tom Murphy coming back from injury as well can be a big boost for that team. Yes, he could. Have you seen Ty France in spring training at all? I have not, but I've been hearing about him. So Ty France, you remember they got him in the trade for Austin Nola last year from the Padres. He is at 49 at-bats. He has four doubles, five home runs, 11 RBIs, and he's hitting 327. He has been on fire. Do they have him as the starting second baseman? As he they claimed have him it? at DH. They have Dylan Moore. Remember, Dylan Moore had all the steals, yeah, came out yeah, of nowhere last year. So. Ty France, there's a legit chance Ty France hits 25-plus home runs this year. I think that's well within the realm of possibility for what he can do. Sneaky and, fantasy ad. Yeah, he would be, actually. Yeah, He would be a good sneaky fantasy ad because he probably qualifies at second and third from when he plays. So I'd have to look that one up. But Dylan Moore was great. They have a good offense. The pitching is good, not great. Justin Sheffield, good, not great. Marco Gonzalez, good, not great. James Paxton, good, not great. Justin Sheffield, good, not great, I would say. I'm not sure but there's... there's enough of them. That's what's intriguing. It's kind of like the athletics, right? Is there an ace? James Paxton is closer to an ace than maybe anything else, but if he makes it you don't necessarily point, rely yeah. on it, right? So 
good not great pitching, and I don't like their bullpen very much. Rafael Montero, they got him in a trade this offseason with Texas to be the closer. It's a placeholder this year. I think it's only a one-year contract. If they're not in contention, they could move him to – I said, we're going to talk about their future, but their future is next year. They signed Ken Giles for next season. Remember, they they traded for Andres yeah. Munoz for next season's bullpen. So I think a lot of these guys in the bullpen are placeholders. I think this is a team that realizes they can be good this year, and like I said, maybe a few things break, and they're the Marlins or the Padres. Otherwise – play for the future, and they seem to be doing it really well. As far as that future goes, who's the most likely prospect to be part of the present by the end of the year? Kelnick. Kelnick will be the biggest prospect this that, that helps out this year. Kelnick is, I think, the usually considered the second-best prospect in all of baseball. I remember the Mets gave him up for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, which is just horrendous. He should play 120 games at the big league level. I think 25 home runs, 15 steals in his first season isn't out of the realm of possibility. We should at least mention the, uh, do we now have front office stability after some of the issues that took place? I don't know. I, obviously it's they been let pretty calm. I haven't yeah, heard anything from the national news scale. I, yeah. I have not seen who they rehired to be. Was it, I said, was it GM? I think it was the GM, right? Kevin. No, Jerry DePoto was the GM. Yeah. So it was Kevin something or another. I don't even remember his name anymore, but. Scott Cervais, uh, blah, blah. this is great podcasting right here. So I searched through everything to try to figure out what this guy's title was. Scott Cervais is the manager, and it was Kevin Mather. He was the CEO. That, so I've not heard anything. That's probably a good sign. Sometimes no news is good news. Look, remember the talk was that Jerry Kellink was going to stay down. I already talked about the Cubs sending Nico Horner down. He hit like 350 in spring, and they've said basically, oh, he's going down because Eric Sogard is a better option who hit like 200. You'll see Nico Horner in 36 days, I believe, was the number that they came out with. In this case, you're going to see Jared Kelnick in, I don't know what his service time number is. I would have guessed May 1st at the latest. You see Jared Kelnick, and he will play one of those positions. Taylor Trammell, I said, is in left. He's another. They got him in that Padres trade, too. He's another top 100 prospect. And probably their best prospect is Julio Rodriguez, who is usually considered the number three, four prospect overall in baseball. And just further away, he's another outfielder. When he comes up, probably next season, I think he could be unbelievable right away. They have pitching prospects, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby is great. By next year, you could see George Kirby be the top, like he could be Mackenzie Gore level good, that type of pitching prospect. So it's a team that's probably a year away, but when it comes, it could come really fast and they could be really good in a hurry. And it's the right timing. If you take a look, and that's why you have to appreciate the front office for what they have done as far as making moves already for next year. We know that the Astros are on a thin razor edge for their window, uh, and you have uh, others that are ready to be free agents next year. You have another, uh, that loss is coming. This this window of contention is awfully close to closing, depending upon what the financial commitments are uh, in the upcoming seasons. No one else stands out in this division. It is wide open, so when the time comes, they can come charging through that door and, and contend for that division very quickly. I'm being disappointed because I'm now looking at the Astros roster and I see that Dylan Moore was with the Brewers and I never knew that. And that makes me sad that he was with the Brewers and they let him go. Darn. Anyways, sorry. Well, let's let's, uh, dive into, I think the most interesting team uh, in this division. Uh, And I should step back Mariners, uh, the projection 74 and 88. Oh, I'm taking the over on that. I think this is closer to a 500 team. 
Yeah, it's. I don't think it's 500. I, I think it's like 77-ish probably wins just because the Astros are better than them. Uh, the We're going to talk about the Angels in a second. I think the Angels are better than them. I think that the Athletics are still probably better than them, and they're better than the Rangers, but I think – I think they're a good team. I, th- I said next year, if you told me this team wins 85 games, I think that's well within the realm of possibility. Let's talk about those angels. That uh, They had one of the, not Philadelphia level, but they had one of the worst <laughs> bullpens uh, in Major League Baseball last year. And, and when the offseason began, they were, uh, that was the number one need that they wanted to target and change and turn potentially into a strength. How did they do with their bullpen additions this year? There is no Trevor Bauer. We At least I remember predicting Trevor Bauer going to this team. I thought that type of level prospect player was going to be needed. That type of pitching ability was going to be needed. They added Alex Cobb. Solid-ish, but not Trevor Bauer. They added Jose Quintana, who has also been great in spring, but he's been around for a long time. He's still only 32, but he's a mid-4s ERA. I'm not sure. Okay, the, the, the way this team is good is if Shohei Otani is – is great at pitching, and he's been much better again this spring, but still walking too many guys. That's a problem. I don't think the pitching is good enough to get them to the pl- – I still don't think it's good enough to get them to the playoffs. I, I would love to say it is. I think there's okay pitching here. Dylan Bundy was great last year, right? But is he is he a three-year A's guy? Is he a three-year A guy? I don't think so. I think he's maybe like a low four, mid four. And I think they have a lot of mid fours. I think Andrew Heaney's a mid four. I think Griffin Canning's a mid four. I think Alex Cobb is a mid four. I think Quintana's a mid fours guy. So they're all solid. This is the team that is definitely going to the six-man rotation. Yep, sorry. Yes, they are. And Otani is the one that could get them there. He can be an ace, right? He could be an ace. As, as we've said for a couple of years now, the Angels' ceiling is dependent upon Otani. If mm-hmm. he reaches his, they will reach theirs. Does he do it, though? There's uh, National media is definitely rooting for him. Mm-hmm. There was that big uh, uh, picture on him on MLB.com last Sunday uh, from him hitting well and then pitching well, and that was uh, all across the front page for this. Uh, right now, there seems to be, and, and it looks like Joe Mann is looking at doing that, more of him hitting and pitching on the same day. And, and people act like that's so so uh, different or unique, but that's what National League's been doing for, for years. I, I know it's different with a guy like this. You want to be careful with uh, a guy who's had durability issues, but I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think at this point, you, you have to know what you have in him. I mean, be careful. You want to use some kid gloves, but it's it's time. They need him to be uh, everything that that he has the potential to be, and getting rid of things in the way, getting rid of hurdles for him to get a clear shot at it, I think is the best best way to go. I'll say this: they still have probably the best three hitters in this division. Like I love some of the Astros players. I love some of the Astros players, but Trout's the best hitter in baseball. Rendon, Anthony Rendon's still amazing, and Shoei. I said, I should maybe not the best hitters, but the three most likely players to win the American League MVP play in this division. When Trout, Rendon, and Shohei Otani is the third three, most likely. Three, four, five, right there is, yeah. is as good as you'd want it to be, or two, three, four, depending However on how they do it. But after that, it drops off, right? Justin Upton, yeah. Justin Upton. I don't know what you're going to get out of Justin Upton, but I don't think you're getting a 240 average. Pools. Uh, David Fletcher is decent. 
Fletcher's good. Fletcher's good at the top, right? He can get on base, but Pujols, Jose Iglesias came over in a trade. Max Dassey, Dexter Fowler. It's not the Astros rotate. It's not the Astros lineup. I'm not no. even sure that it's the athletics lineup. So it's very top heavy. And yeah, those three guys can carry you to a lot of wins, just how good they are. But when you have a shaky, like a good rotation, right? That's that good, not great. I'm not saying none of those guys are like terrible, but I don't you know, know how many runs them? this is going to score. You know who could help them? Sure. Trevor Bauer? Their, uh, their prospect who came up a bit too quick last year, uh, and uh, it, it didn't work out, but he was uh, highlighted as a big-time prospect in the outfield, Joe Adele, okay. uh, who struggled immensely last year, but the talent is there. How has he looked this spring? Uh, is is he the prospect that you would say is the most likely to help, or has what took place last year uh, eliminated confidence in, in what he can do? Now, Joe Adele's the one I have down as their best prospect and the one that's most likely to help. He's already been sent down. He was 5 for 20 in spring training. He had a couple home runs, and it, uh, encouragingly, he struck out six times and he walked six times because on base percentage, it always been his kind of his calling card in the minor leagues, and then he went up and he's Got on base at a 212 rate last year, struck out 55 times and walked seven. So weird year, right? Still very young, extremely young. Yeah. Could he help them? Absolutely. Is it, is it going to be right away? Nope. Right. We're going to see Dexter Fowler patrol right field for him for a while. Joe Adele will probably be up at some point this year. And I, I'd like to think that he's, I don't think he's done. I think he can still be very good. I just worry that he's overhyped a la Byron Buxton, BJ Upton, good players, right? Good players. Remember Brandon Wood back in the day with them? Uh, shortstop, he was the one with oh, the, the third. big time bat. Third. Third. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. And then and, he went to Pittsburgh. And nothing happened there. So that, that has happened in this system before. We should mention that they we talked about the, their bullpen. They did add the best closer to move teams this offseason, probably. Raziel Iglesias, they made the big trade to get him. So maybe they didn't make the big splash in the rotation, but they added Junior Guerra, Alex Claudio from the Brewers, and... Aaron Sleegers, and they said they traded for Raziel Iglesias, so maybe the bullpen is stronger. You, you got to hope that you, you got to hope that the bullpen is stronger because the starting staff, while good, I don't think it's great, and I don't think this offense is scoring a ton of runs. This this actually reminds me a lot of my Nationals pick last year, where it was Juan Soto and Trey Turner, and then a lot of just just the guys. And this is Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, maybe Fletcher, but you know the Nationals had Howie Kendrick, right? So that's maybe equivalent. And then it's just a lot of guys. The projection systems also, as we've seen this a lot in the AL West, you're noticing a theme here. It's across the board. It's hard to find a, a unanimous decision. You have the CBS Sportsline projection of 77 and 85. Fangraphs has them at 84 and 78. I'll say that this team is this is a 500 team, right? This is like an 80, 80 to 82 win team is where I'll say this is at. I think that their pitching is good, right? That's a good team is, is a 500 team is good. It's not a great team. A great team wins 88 games. And I said, you don't Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, you have those guys and Shohei Otani in your lineup. And I think he's going to play 120 games. I think he's going to be the primary DH for 120 games. And I think he's going to be a really good DH for 120 games. And those guys will win you a lot of games, but I just can't trust. I cannot trust anybody from about six through nine at eight in their lineup, six through nine. That's projected Pujols. Nope. His feet are too bad. Remember Jared Walsh came up at the end of last year and he was awesome. So maybe he'll 
play over Pujols. He probably deserves it. Pujols is getting in there because he's paid Contract. a lot of money and he's a legend in this game, but he's probably not better than Jared Walsh. Iglesias, Stassi, and Dexter Fowler at the bottom. Those guys, they're just not very good offensive players. And Iglesias is a great defender, but I just don't think it's good enough to win more than about 81 games. I'm going to take the over, but just at 85. I see an 85-win team if Shohei Otani is every bit as good. Yeah. Uh, and That's so like I'm it. I'm going to bank on that this year. You're an Otani stand, dude. I, 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 I'm sticking with him. Uh, <laughs> I love him too. And the fact is... This spring versus last spring uh, gives me enough confidence that even with some of the... He's going to go through wild bouts at different times. I, I, the, the control is still not going to be elite by any means. But when he was walking like eight in, uh, in the first third of an inning and couldn't get out of the first last spring, that's when all the warning signs went off and that pitching idea derailed with like two starts. He has five uh, home runs in the spring training with yeah. two steals hitting 571. I, I'm... I'm believing he's going to actually get a shot to show it, and I'm I'm all for it. And they're boop, uh, boosting up his confidence. I, I see an 85 win team with him being at that level. Now again, that's still potentially an 85 win team that sits at home after September. Uh, so despite that type of ceiling, there's still holes here. Now what can they do in the uh, mid season? We'll find out. Uh, the last team we won't spend a lot of time on. Texas is in the middle of their. Uh, rebuild eventually they're they're kind of a they haven't committed I think that's how I'd put it they haven't committed I think this could be the team uh, though they they were talked this way last year as well uh, but they they place a high value on their players enough where they can't actually make trades uh, it took until the offseason to actually trade Lance Lynn uh, they should have moved him at the midseason uh, last year uh, I do wonder the same thing about uh Joey Gallo, I think he's going to be the biggest bat that's available at the midseason if they commit to the uh, uh, to the rebuild. But where do you see them with the moves they made in the offseason? Oh, this is this is quite clearly the worst team in this division. It's their pitching is just not close to good enough to compete with some of these other teams. I just talked about the uh, the Angels having good pitchers. I'm not sure that any pitcher like Andrew Heaney's the ace of this team. You, I remember you like Kyle Gibson last year. He's projected to start opening day. I think he's been announced to start opening day. That's uh, He's a th- number three starter on most teams, number four, and he's going to be the ace here. Arihara we've never seen. Maybe he's great from Japan, but that's always a learning curve and a challenge in that, right? And then Holt Nevich was so bad he got cut last year. Jordan Lyles was terrible last year. And Dane Dunning, they got him in the trade for Lancelin. I think he can be good, but that, that's tough. They already had their closer. Jose LeClerc is hurt. He They said he's going to miss significant time. So right now, they are looking at Ian Kennedy and Matt Bush, X-Rays, first pick overall like a decade ago to be a shortstop, is looking at being their closer. So the pitching's not good enough. And then my question with their offense is, does this team lead baseball in strikeouts? Because Joey Gallo strikes out a ton. Rugnado Dora strikes out a ton. Arnold Guzman strikes out a ton. Leody Tavares is going to strike out a ton. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on this team being good at all. The highlight of this team is moving into the new beautiful ballpark. That's right. Yeah, they're going to get to all experience it. uh, That's what's going to be the highlight for fans coming back to get a chance to see some games in person. Uh, You're going to see some big bombs uh, in here, but you're going to see big whiffs. And uh, it's kind of like the White Sox, but not as good, right? The White Sox had a lot of home runs, and they're going to strike out a lot too. But it's not as high end players. It's like Joey Gallo's good, right? He's going to hit. I wouldn't be surprised if Joey Gallo hit 45 home runs this year, but he's going to do it while hitting 215. 
ish. And Rugnan Odor is one of the weirdest players in baseball. He could hit 30 home runs and steal 15 bases and do hit 210 doing it. So it's a very strange team. Is there any uh, hope in the the farm system for anything that's near? Well, Josh Jung would be their best player, and he I think he could have actually played third base for him this year, but he just broke his foot uh, maybe two weeks ago, like a stress fracture on the foot, so he's out at least eight weeks. Leody Tavares is going to be the prospect that helps him the most, helps them the most this year. He's going to play center field. There was a lot of talk for a while about him batting leadoff for them. Looks like they're going to instead push him down to the eighth hole. He was there last year. He got... 134 or 134 plate appearances last year. He had four home runs. He stole eight bases, but he did it hitting 227. That's kind of the theme on this team. They have a lot of tools. They don't make a lot of contact. 71 and 91 is the the record projected on fan graphs. I'm going to take the under on that just because I think this might be along with Baltimore, the most likely team in the American league to lose a hundred games. It's just, I said that that pitching staff is, is rough. It's, a lot of question marks. You, you, they literally had two guys who could not make the major league roster last year, and Mike Fultonevich and Jordan Niles that they're planning to rely on right now. I would agree. I'm taking the under on this one. I, I, I think this needs to bottom out, and hopefully they recognize it for trading uh, the players that are not going to be uh, helping them towards their, their next uh, uh, playoff hopes, the next build, uh, and, and improve that farm system and go at it that way. So let's take a look overall as we look at the best, uh, compiling the best division team. Who do you have for the AL West? Catcher, I didn't mention him. It's Sean Ryan Murphy. He's a young catcher for the Athletics. He, it's not a great catcher division, but he's a good catcher. First base is Matt Olson. Going to hit a lot of home runs for the Athletics. Also going to strike out a lot. Second base is Jose Altuve. I'm fully back in on the bounce back. I cheated at third because I cannot separate these two guys in my head. I don't know how to separate Alex Bregman and Anthony Rendon. I think they're just so similar, and they're just unbelievably good players. Shortstop, Carlos Correa, he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to have 20 home, five home runs at least. Best player in baseball is Michael Trout. He makes the outfield. Michael Brantley, as about as good of a bet, maybe this side of DJ LeMayu to hit 300 in the game. Ramon Laureano, remember he had that fight that he made with the Athletic or with the Astros <laughs> yeah. last year, but we watched that unfold in real time. Otherworldly defender, good bet for 20 home runs, 15 steals type of player. He makes the outfield. DH is Jordan Alvarez. The knees terrify me for a 22-year-old to have two bad knees, but when he's out there, he's great. Pitching, this is this division does not have good pitching overall. Zach Greinke, right, ace. I'm ready to go Dylan Bundy. Frankie Montas, even with the bad split finger thing, I guess makes it. Framber Valdez has the broken finger. And little Jesus Lazardo. I'd love to put Otani in there. I'd love to, but I haven't seen it enough. Like, you can't put him in there. I'm projecting it. I'd put the bat before I'd put the the arm yet. Yeah. You just have to see it. I'd love to put him at DH, right? But I've seen Alvarez do it more. And and so the pitching in this division is rough. We're going to talk about the next division where the pitching is unbelievable. The pitching in this division is rough. And at closer, it's Raziel Iglesias. Would you say this is the weakest pitching uh, in division pitching in in Major League Baseball? Oh, yeah. Oh, easily. I'd say I'd say it's easily the worst division of those guys. Like I trust Zach Greinke. Dylan Bundy has sixty innings, right? Like he had a sixty game season where he was good. Uh, Frankie Montas had one season where he was good. Jesus Lazardo has never shown that he can stay healthy. Like it's just there's not a whole lot. I said in a second we're gonna talk about the NL West, and I'm gonna literally throw out some guys that have won Cy Young awards, and there's not a whole lot of faith in a lot of these this, guys. This bodes well for the Houston Astros offense to lead the way with everything. Houston think, is most likely to win for that reason. That's uh, I, When you look at the weakest division, 
uh, pitching wise, and then you look at their offense. Like, could you trust James Paxton? No, I, I, I could he could he surprise and give you yeah. 150 innings? Sure, but you can't count on it. It's the same thing with all these teams, right? It's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of uh, question marks, and just like we said with the AL East, where their teams each of them had like one solid one, then a lot of question marks. These ones are just lots of question marks galore. Best acquisition I got Raziel Iglesias coming over to be the closer for the Los Angeles Angels. They needed a closer. They did not give up a ton to get him. Actually, I think the player they gave up, I think the Reds cut, and he's going back to the Angels, if I'm not mistaken. I saw that. But that's the best acquisition. The comeback player, I have Alex Bregman. Once again, it was hard for me to separate this. You could pick multiple players on the Astros who had bad regular seasons and then got hot in the postseason. I just am a huge Bregman believer. And MVP candidates, I said there's the three on the Angels, right? You got Trout, Rendon, and Otani. And then Alex Bregman. Those are the ones that I put down. I'm going Altuve. I saw enough in the in the postseason where him uh, coming back for another strong year. Uh, I think that's going to be a key there. Let's switch to the NL West as we take a look at the defending uh, World Series and division champs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who uh, find a way to not only keep uh, an elite team but improve on it. Yeah, it is a incredible roster that the Dodgers are going to put out there this year. When you add the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner to your team that just won the World Series, the only question is how many wins can this team get? So I, I think it's going to be – I don't think there's really much debate about it. It's clearly the best team in baseball on paper. The only real change to their lineup is instead of Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor playing second, it looks like Evan Lux is finally going to get a chance to play there, and you're talking about a guy who is not that far removed from being a top 10 prospect in baseball – and they still have Chris Taylor, so I think Lux is probably going to be in a platoon. He'll probably bat the strong side of the platoon as he's left-handed, and Chris Taylor will play the weak side of the platoon, and he'll still do what he's always done and bounce around the rest of their lineup, and what a lineup it is. It's just not fair that you can last year like at a MVP candidate uh, and, and Mookie Betts, and then the, in the following offseason you add Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that, so let's talk the pitching, right? Because the pitching is is unworldly good. It's so impressive you have Clayton Kershaw Trevor Bauer Walker Bueller those three guys in their own right could all pitch to a 3-2 ERA at worst like it's possible that none of those guys touch three for an ERA and then Urias I don't know who they're actually going to pit Tustin May Tony Gonsolin Dave Price looks like he's going to the bullpen that's nine good starting pitching options whereas most teams are lucky to find three yeah, the 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 depth here is just insane. I uh actually big 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 Tony Gonsolin guy. Uh, have you seen that Trevor or that Cody Bellinger has changed his batting stance in spring training closer to the 2019 batting stance, and much wider was, open. That's the year he won the MVP award. Yeah, that's uh go back to when things were good. But it also has not been great this spring training. I think remember he had the shoulder thing when he celebrated and hurt his shoulder, and he got the surgery. I think he's like three for twenty. So. Not that he's – I'm not they worried about Cody. a slow start. Yeah, I'm not worried about Cody Bellinger being good, but if we're, like, handicapping the guys on this team to win the MVP, I'm actually putting him, like, third or fourth even, which is just – that's just because he's <laughs> – this is a really good team. If we would say best minor league uh, person there, Gavin Lux is the one who's going to get the ba- the best shot at this point. He's going to be the best one this year. For the future, it's probably another pitcher – I mean – 
for a team that's this good, it, you'd think that they've traded away all their minor league players and they're so uh, so strong in yeah. the farm system. <laughs> yeah, they're still stacked. Like there's going to be a lot of players coming in the next few years, especially pitchers. I think Josiah Gray for most teams would be considered like a ready to go pitching prospect this year. He could jump up into the most teams starting rotation for this team. He's probably the. 10th option so I don't know if we'll see Joe Gaziah Gray he's the one to if you see his name pop up remember that he could be a very good starter too a la Walker Bueller Dustin May Tony Gonsolin they they develop their pitchers very well 98 and 64 <laughs> I can't believe it. I will take the over I think they could win 105 games fairly easily if there's any team and it's it's rare to, to project a team to win 100 games yep uh I, I I don't see how you couldn't with this one of any if any team could this is the one so uh, and so I, I will take the over as well. So we talked the Braves lineup right. This is the team that competes with the Braves for the best lineup in the game, and it's got the best pitching in the game right. One hundred percent. So if you have the best offense, the best pitching, and and you improve your bullpen, good bullpen. Look, Kenley Jansen gets a lot of credit for oh you know he's so bad oh they're gonna drop Kenley Jansen okay well he's not bad like it's a mid threes ERA most teams are happy with that Blake Trinan now you got Dustin May down there Tony Gonsolin it's it's a fine bullpen it's just maybe not as good as the rest of the team but most teams would be happy to have their bullpen I I'm willing to say that they're gonna win what was that 105 or 100 plus at least yeah so it's 98 and 64 yep, and we'll I'll take, take the, the over. over on that uh, San Diego Padres are the team that has been trying the you can give them the A for effort uh, uh, award here. They have tried to make all the trades uh, to find a way for a team that is so stacked like the Dodgers, how can they compete to actually be a true rival uh, to that type of stacked team? Uh, what do you think of their attempt as they deal with devastating injuries along the way that allows them to you know two steps forward, one step back? How do you rate the San Diego Padres? I think that you could make the case the Padres are the second best team, at least in the National League, maybe the second best team in baseball. But unfortunately for them, they're the second best team in their division, right? The Dodgers are better. But did they, and I think they're going to be very good this year. I think they're actually going to be better next year, right? Clevenger will be back. A lot of questions hands on Denelson Lamette's elbow. He's already going to start the season. He pitched, he threw like 98, but he threw one slider or two sliders, it said. That's not a good sign. He's literally a two-pitch pitcher. Throwing hard's great, but they need his him to be able to throw the slider more than him to be able to throw hard. And then Clevenger will be back next year. And then your your starting rotation is Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Paddock, Clevenger. I guess I don't know. It's gonna. It's such a deep staff, which is great. It's awesome. But then it's not even talking about Mackenzie Gore. But I don't know if they're as good as the Dodgers yet. And while I think their pitching is going to be good, their offense. While also going to be good is not as good as it's, it's the good, not great. Dodgers, right? It's not as good as the Dodgers. It's and Grisham is already hurt. I think he's got like a gut thing going on too. I don't. He hasn't played recently. Tommy Pham got stabbed in the offseason, and he said that he's only like seventy percent. Which you know, I've never been stabbed, right? So I'm not. I don't. I fully believe him. He knows his body body better than I do. But that's not great for you to be start still at seventy percent. And yeah, it's it's good, not great. That's a good way of putting it, actually. And their their rotation uh, is is their strength, even with the uh, the injuries that are there. You like what they have, but going back again to their bullpen, good, not great. 
Uh, so I think there's a couple of right, when you try to rate them, and it's hard, it's an unfair comparison to do that to anyone against the Dodgers. But when you try to rate it against, there are clear differences that is going to push this back. Uh, yes, this is a two-team race. Uh, no question, this is a, a full tier that's there. But I would again say, just like it happened last year, there is a full tier difference between the Dodgers and the Padres. Remember, we got to a game. Was the did they tie him up or was it like one game difference and then they played each other and the Dodgers swept them and you're like, they said, okay, you're getting close, but we're still better. And I think the Padres are going to be really good again. Like I'm going They're to predict be fun to watch. I'm going to predict the Padres to make them. the postseason. I guarantee you, I predict the Padres to make the wild card and make this team. But I, like you said, there's a clear step down from what the Dodgers are putting out there. And it's, it's not a slight, obviously they went out to try to improve their team as much as anyone, right? You added a former Cy Young winner in Blake Snell. You Darvish is one of the best pitchers of the last, 10 years or whatever he's been around. Joe Musgrove gets out of Pittsburgh. Always a good thing. I drafted Joe Musgrove. I mentioned him in my TGFBI team. I think he's got 150 innings of a mid three ZRA with 170 strikeouts. I think he could easily do that for this team, but it's not Walker Bueller. Who's going to suddenly be the number three starter for the Dodgers. And if we look at their, their minor league system, obviously there's a ton of guys that we can can still, despite all the trades, this is still an elite farm system. Mackenzie Gore is probably the, the, one of the, the biggest names right there. Luis Camposano is going to get a, a shot there, especially with the injury to Nola. Uh, there's going to be a, a chance for a, a playing time to go with Carantini. Yeah, there's, there's some really high, you mentioned a couple of them, right? Mackenzie Gore, I think I picked him to win the rookie of the year last year, and he never came up, and... I'm actually not – I don't know if he's going to come up this year at this point because they just have so many options. I don't know where he comes up. And the same thing, you mentioned Luis Patino. I don't know if he'll pitch for him because there are so many options. Campos, Camposano could come up, but he certainly could fill in at catcher. C.J. Abrams is a couple years removed. He's an amazing shortstop prospect, another great one. Of course, they have quite the good shortstop, which we did not mention, but Fernando Tatis is otherworld, like, unbelievably good. The one that I have down is most likely to make an impact this year is Haseon Kim, right? He's technically yep, a rookie. You you know, they've signed him to that big deal. Now, I don't think he's going to st- – I originally thought he was going to start. He's been terrible in spring training, so I don't think he's actually going to make the team to start this year. I think they're going to put Cronenworth, and they brought back Profar. I think those guys are going to bounce around the infield, outfield, but I'm not giving up on Haseon Kim. I think he could be back by the middle of the season, and he his future is second base with this team, and that's a, at least 15 homer, 15 st- – skill set someday yeah it's it's a hard transition to make so it takes time to get there uh he will uh but uh, it's it's going to be a slow start which again getting him a chance to ease in is probably the, the better way to go especially when you have good minor league or a good uh, middle infield depth uh, let's take a look at the the next team that what you got for a hold on what do you got oh, for so yeah, order, uh, 95 and 67 is what they have there for projections i'm taking the under yeah and this is 90, a 91 team. 90, like 92, like 92-ish probably. I, it's good. That's a good number. I could see him winning 95, but a lot of things are going to have to break their way for them to win 95. Now, it could happen, but I think it's more like a 90 to 92 win team. And then next year, if Clevenger comes back and the elbow's fine and and they get some more production out of either like Mackenzie Gore or Nelson Lamette, then they're like a 98 win team. Agreed. Where are we going now? The San Francisco Giants were one of the surprise teams uh, last year with uh, uh, their veteran pitchers broke uh, the right direction. Uh, you had some intriguing guys. Kevin Gausman, Drew Smiley did very well. Uh, and this team had fun watching a son of a, a former legend uh, come through, or at least a, a relative of a former legend uh, come through and uh, 
uh, was, again, fun to watch. Uh, what do you see from the San, San Francisco Giants with their offseason moves? It's another team that, as I said, the Bay Area takes out these old rosters. It is a very old roster. They have projected 18 primary players over 30 years old already. That includes Tommy Lestella, who they signed this offseason. Their big acquisition It was Tommy Lestella to help their offense. And last year they scored some runs, and their park is famously a pitcher's park, and last year it scored more runs than ever, and apparently somebody did a study where it had something to do with where the, the gates were open. They're doing that so far in spring training, so maybe the offense will score a few more runs. But I wouldn't say it's certainly not an offense comparable to either of the two teams we've talked about. Buster Posey is back, 34 years old. I don't know what to expect out of Buster Posey having missed a year. And other than that, in time of Stella, it's the same offense as last year, which was great last year, but I think we both thought they played above their heads. Agreed. And the pitching, they lost Drew Smiley. Now, they had success. Kevin Gaussman had jumped in there and figured it out. Logan Webb's been great in spring training, excellent in spring training. He's projected to be the three starter, and they brought back – they brought in Anthony DeSclafani and Aaron Sanchez. So DeSclafani came from Cincinnati. I actually kind of like that move for him. He's a flyball pitcher, and Cincinnati is not a good flyball pitcher park. San Francisco is a much better flyball pitcher park, so that could work. Aaron Sanchez was great, I don't know, five years ago with Tampa, Toronto, almost won a Cy Young Award with Toronto, and arm issues galore since then, so we've basically not seen him. I have not seen a whole lot of reports out of spring training, but – it's a good team. This is like a 500-ish team. I don't know what their projections are going to come out. I think this is a 500-ish team, but it's not in the class of either of the first two teams we talked about. Did you realize that Donovan Solano uh, won a National League Silver Slugger Award at second base? I knew that he hit over 300. I didn't know that he won a Silver Slugger. Actually, I think he's hit over 300 two years in a row. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he hit, he hit 330 and 326. The quietest 330 and 326 years ever. But and you add him to... Uh uh, Yastrzemski, and, and you add in uh, some of their veterans who are still at least performing uh, uh, at a solid level, and uh, just some sneaky uh, utility guys. Tommy Lostella, you you know I was big on him this this offseason. I, I like him as a uh, a contact bat, uh, still enough enough power. He's not not a 30-homer guy, but uh, when you put in uh, doubles and home runs together, a very interesting uh, a player. Again, I, I'm really high on him. And then they had Wilmer Flores, who's uh, not good defensively, but the bat's still very good. This is kind of an anti-Rangers team in that I think they're going to get on base a lot. I don't know if they're going to hit a lot of home runs. Yastrzemski might be the only guy, if I was to if I was to like project this out, that I think I have hitting over 20 home runs. But Yastrzemski gets on base a lot. Lastella gets on base a lot. Solano gets on base a lot. Brandon Belt draws a ton of walks. Uh, Brandon Crawford, Alex Dickerson, they have a lot of on-base type of guys that don't hit a lot of home runs, and that's fine. You, all the runs count the same, right? So however you do it, you just got to score them. It's not going to be a lot of home runs, but score a lot of runs. I don't know, though, if they're pitching. It's not good enough to compete with the other two teams. That's what I said, but it's not as bad. We're going to talk about some rough pitching stats here in a second, and it's better than those other two coming. Is there anything coming up in the in the minors that – again, helps to build hope. This has been one of the weaker farm systems uh, for a number of years. Has that finally started to improve? Yeah, well, their best prospect is another really low guy named Marco Luciano. He's another shortstop. You're gonna, you're, the theme is there's a lot of good shortstop prospects low down. Marco Luciano, probably not going to be till at least next year, maybe the year after that. They do have other prospects. I'd expect the best one to be Joey Bart. He, he got up last year. He was probably a little overmatched last year, but 
I, I'm not, once again, just like with Joe Adele, I'm not ready to say that Joey Bart's done. I think that Buster Posey is going to get all the chances because he is a Giants legend, right? He will get all the chances. But Joey Bart's going to start the year in the minors. He'll be up by the middle of the season, and they're going to start transitioning towards Joey Bart being their primary catcher. 77 and 85. I'll take the over on that. I think it's a 500 team. I think their offense is, is better than uh, than national media is giving them credit for. Yeah, it's not, nobody's, like, there's no sexy name, right? Like, there's no appealing, super high-end, fun, flashy, Fernando Tatis, Mookie Betts player, but veterans who know what they're doing. Give me 81 wins. I'll take the over as well. Uh, the next one up is the Colorado Rockies. Under. Whatever the number is, I'll take the under. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you what you say here. There's there's very little to say. Uh, again, I feel bad for any Colorado Rockies fans out there right now because the only positive was that they cleared payroll. Uh, Nolan Arenado uh, gone. Trevor Story will be in, in a year's time. Uh, a farm system that is uh, eh. Yeah. And uh, right now, this uh, you, the the young pitchers that you have uh, from. Uh, uh, German Marquez to uh, even guys that are getting closer. John Gray, uh, who's been uh, not that good in the last couple of years, uh, in- injuries and inconsistencies. But his health has always been the key with him. You just have to hope these guys do well enough in order to trade them at the the trading deadline. I, I don't really know what what positives to say. The questions I have are: Does Trevor Story make it all this year? Does he make it through the entire year as a Colorado Rocky? No. Herman Marquez. He's I think no. he's got one more year. Charlie Blackman. It's he's a hard one because of the salary is enough that it's gonna be hard for people to take it on. They would have to at least take some take some of that salary to do it. Yeah, well, that's that's the question I guess with this team is, are they willing to finally like you've done Nolan, you gave up Nolan Arenado, are you finally willing to just say we are going to tear this down and rebuild it? Their pitching staff is so bad that right now roster resource has them projected for a four man rotation because I don't think they can figure out who the fifth starter is going to be. It's Marquez is fine, right? He's he's actually pretty good. Senzatella, nope. John Gray, I'd, if he could get out of Colorado, I think he still could be good. But in Colorado, it's I've given up hope. And Austin Gomber is somebody they got back with the Nolan Arenado trade. But that's it. That's what they have. That's, they have a four-man rotation now because they can't figure out who the fifth starter is going to be because it's there's no good options. CJ Cron coming in is interesting, right? Like you could tell me he hits 35 home runs in Colorado. I I can buy that. That that I could buy. I think those there's still some good offensive players here oh, if absolutely. they trust them. Like. Are they going to trust Ryan McMahon family? Finally, maybe. Garrett Hampson, maybe. Rymel Tapia, maybe. Like they've been there before, though, and we've seen this team sign Matt Kemp or and put him out there because why should we not develop some young players? This is a team that, beyond the Pittsburgh Pirates, probably has the worst player development in baseball. And even with yeah, with what they try to have, they they sign progress stoppers to not give them a, a chance to do that. They haven't done it yet. I'm still holding all. I could see this team deciding like, you know, Jed Jerko. I like Jed Jerko with the pat, but the Brewers last year. But they could sign him and be like, Hey, Jed, you're playing first or third base. Let's get you know some young guy on the bench. <laughs> Any hope in the minor league? <laughs> not for a long time. The only one, the highest end player I got find is Zach Veen. Zach Veen was their first pick overall last year, so we we're probably talking four or five years down the line. He could be very good then, but it's a long projection. The ones that's going to help this year technically don't actually qualify as rookies anymore. Sam Hilliard was there last year. He wasn't very good. I I don't think he's going to hit well ever. I don't think he's ever going to hit more than about 230, but I think he's got in that park, he could probably hit 20 home runs and steal 15 bases at center field. So it, it's a rough team. 
66 and 96. Oh, that's pretty low. Uh, yeah, but they play they play the Dodgers and they play the Pirates. I'll take the under. I think they, I think this team loses 100 games. I, I do think this team loses 100 games because uh, I think also the, the Arenado trade uh, kicks off. Like Trevor Story is going to try to perform well to get out of there and get a new contract. I'll give this to Trevor Story. He's one of the like most low-key superstars in this game. Like he doesn't com- he has never complained about playing there and he is a true superstar of this game. So if if I you could easily see him just seeing and complaining and saying get me out of here but it doesn't happen. The Arizona Diamondbacks round up our uh, round out our National League West coverage. Uh, this is another team that uh, is is a bit confusing. It's not the Rockies at least. That's that's, that's what you can say. You can it say, is yeah. not the Rockies. This is also an extremely boring team, I feel like. It's just you know what you're getting. Their pitching is also not nearly enough. They had already had a massive injury. We didn't talk about it because I knew it would come up in this. We I knew they'd come up. But Zach Gallen was their ace. He had some right forearm soreness, and so he got scratched from a start. You don't like to hear forearm start soreness with your pitcher. It came back, I think it was a day or two later, then they said that he has a hairline fracture in his forearm. It's not as bad as being a muscle injury, right? Bones are actually better as the muscles, but – it's a batting injury too. He was in the batting cage when he got hurt. That's you know more fuel for the fire for getting the batters, the pitchers to stop batting. Uh, it looks like it'll probably be a month, couple months, and then we'll see Zach Allen. That was a big, big blow to this team. Let's take a look at this from everything that you just said. There, starting pitching for the Diamondbacks last year, they had an ERA uh, for a rotation five point oh four, and it wasn't uh, fluky. Their FIP was five point one two. And their key offseason additions, none. And now your best pitcher is having forearm issues. The Dodgers and the Padres are going to score a lot of runs against this team. Bumgarner's back. He had the injury, right? I, I, Patrick Corbin, a couple weeks ago, I said I don't have a whole lot of faith in Patrick Corbin anymore. I think I have almost no faith left in Madison Bumgarner. Almost none because other than the fact that he has a long track record, I don't think he's very good anymore. Uh, Merrill Kelly, Caleb Smith, Luke Weaver, Taylor Widener are all projected to be the rest of the rotation. I have very little faith in any of those guys. And then the the lineups, okay, I guess. David Peralta, Cattell Marte, Escobar, Christian Walker. Like, those guys are pretty good. And then it drops off. Like, Josh Rojas has had a nice spring. Carson Kelly, Paven Smith, Nick Ahmed. It's a, it's a very boring team, I guess. <laughs> the, the challenge is Marte wasn't as wasn't what you saw in 2019. There's some injury issues that were going on there too. Uh, but without him, and there's names that are there that indicate that this should be better than than what the stats I'm about to give you. Last year was an 88 WRC plus and a uh, .306 WOBA. So this was good for 26th and 24th uh, in, in Major League Baseball. And again, Estrubal Cabrera was your your big acquisition. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, I said they're they're boring in the fact that they didn't add a whole lot to this team. They were hoping, hoping for health. Is, they're hoping to run it back. Like I, you paid that huge contract to Madison Bumgarner. He has to be better now. Is he going to get better? I don't think he is. Like he's going to be probably a four or five ERA guy, which is serviceable, but not what they're paying him to do. And after that, Merrill Kelly has had some success coming over from the KBO. But once again, it's his success is like a mid-4s ERA, and you're not going to beat the Dodgers with giving up four, 
like they're not beating the Dodgers. Like they're not beating the Padres like that. You're probably not even beating the Giants like that. I was gonna say absolutely. So, so it's this is another team that's almost to the point. Now they're not as bad as the Rockies. I just said that, right? They're not as bad as the Rockies, but a teardown almost because you don't have a whole lot coming up here. It's it, you have a lot of outfielders coming up, but it's a ways away. Who are some of those uh, minor league guys? So the, the big three they have, I said, are all outfielders. It's Christian Robinson, Alec Thomas, and Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll's the best of those, but he's probably the furthest away. His is probably two years away. It's probably 2023, 2024. Christian Robinson, Alec Thomas, you could see earlier. But at, at least unlike the Pirates or the Rockies, they they do have some future coming. It's just It's just going to take a couple years to get there. 73 and 89. Ooh. I'll take the under. I'm taking the under I'll, as well. I don't think they're losing 100, but 95 losses certainly. If this team starts off slow, I don't I haven't looked at their contracts. I looked at the Rockies cuz I that certainly I know that they're going to start trading away. But if this team starts off slow, I don't know if they'll start to give up on some of their stuff, but I don't think that this team is good enough to win more than about 68ish games. This is the team that is willing to make moves and trades, and so I think if the writing is on the wall, they'll trade some of the talent that they have here, so I'm definitely taking the under with, with that in mind. Well, that wraps up our... Well, what uh, do do my team? Oh, I'm sorry. Let's, let's get to the... Well, I just that wanna... wraps up our preview oh. of the teams, but <laughs> let's take a look at who... Uh, this is the fun division to put together the all-division Darn team. right it is. That's why, that's why I didn't want to miss out it. on this. I saved it. Okay, ready? Catcher, Los Angeles Dodgers, Will Smith. Already said he's only going to play about 100 games. That's okay. First base, I put Max Muncy there. Also, a Los Angeles Dodger. Here you go, Diamondback. Second base, you get Cattell Marte. I'll give you second base, Cattell Marte. Third base, Manny Machado from yep. the Padres. Yep. Now, here's a really important – I couldn't separate these. Shortstop. Ooh. Yeah. Tatis, Seager, Story. Who are you picking there? Because Tatis is probably the best – but you know my love for ceiling. But uh, again, as we'll talk next week, Corey Seager is going to be mentioned a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on board fully from Are everything you? I've seen Good. in spring as well. So I is Jeff Passan. Good. I'm glad I got everybody coming on board with me. Outfield ready for Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. If you've won MVP awards, I said Cody Bellinger maybe a little start slow, but I have no doubt that he's really good. And then I'll put Charlie Blackman in there. Like career counts, you, you get another Rocky in there. Ready for this pitching staff. <clears throat> Clayton Kershaw, former MVP and Cy Young winner. Trevor Bauer, former Cy Young winner. Walker Bueller, also another Dodger. Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell. Those are all Dodgers and Padres. Now, I've also put this. You could easily make the case, if you're going next, because Zach Gallen is hurt, that next would be Joe Musgrove, also a Dodger. Then Chris Paddock, also a Dodger. Then Julio and Urias. Padre. Or sorry, a, a Padres, excuse me. Then Julio Urias, a Dodger. Mike Clevenger, Tony Gonsolin, and Dustin May would probably mean that the best 11 starting pitchers in this division are all on the two teams, with Kevin Gaussman being the best non-Dodger or Padre yeah. currently healthy. Yeah. That's how good those teams are compared to these other teams. And then relief pitcher is still Kenley Jansen. Who do you have for comeback? Comeback player, I have Cattell Marte and Max Muncie. I think both of yep. them are going to yep. be really good. I don't... I think Catal Marte is a 25 homer, 10 steal type of second baseman, and I think Max Muncy's got 30 home runs in him. And you, you can't really break apart like MVP candidates here. Like, there's so many. My words are literally MVP options galore on the Dodgers. There are literally 
five, six players on the Dodgers alone. And you could like you can make the case that Tatis could win it for the and Machado could win it for the Padres and, too. And, and that's just it. I think now with the now that Mookie Betts has already won it because he was the one who came in difference maker and they won the the World Series, so it's easy to go that route. When you have so many teammates that have that type of ability, it lowers your numbers mm-hmm. because it, it splits the vote, which to me means Tatis is ready to get uh, it, if it they make if they make it close. Uh, if they make it close uh, in this division, Tatis is a is a huge candidate to to get that award this year. I think it, the only question is: is there other than Trevor Story? I don't know if there's even an opportunity for anybody else in this division to get Trevor Story. If somehow this team wins, you know, eighty-one games, Trevor Story's probably hit thirty-five home runs and stole thirty bases, and then he's an option. But otherwise, the Dodgers have five legitimate candidates to win a to win an MVP. I think, and the Padres probably have. At least two in Machado and Tatis, and you know if you Darvish went out and had an amazing year, I suppose he could get it as a pitcher because we've seen Kershaw do it before. So those teams are really good. I think it's time for the, the season to begin. The cat's ready for the season to begin. She's ready to wrestle and fight anyone within a, right. a two foot radius. So uh, that can, concludes our division uh, season previews. Uh, next week, we will go over our predictions for those season, uh, for the upcoming season. We'll hand out our, our award predictions as well. Cy Young, MVP, Rookie of the Year, predictions for the division. How about home run leader, hits leader, stolen base leader, and saves leader? Can we do that? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, next week is the, the awards week. Uh, we'll come back uh, with that, and we'll have real Major League Baseball games to talk yeah, about. We'll talk about the so first So enjoy days. opening weekend of, of baseball. Have a wonderful Easter weekend as well, and we'll see you next week.